Hi, and welcome to Scooped Podcast, presented by Diggin Magazine, where you get the inside scoop on all things entertainment and culture. I'm your host, Cindy Merrim, and in this episode, we talk to Sundance and South by Southwest award-winning director Jim Cummings about his latest film, which he produced, Sundance's Beast Beast, now streaming on Tubi. We also discuss his film industry career path, which all started with his award-winning short Thunder Road. Jim talks about his team's self-financing and self-distribution model, why it's important for new filmmakers to make shorts to get visibility, as well as how to get into A-list film festivals and the excitement surrounding his upcoming Berlinale premiere. night and um yeah i i thought it was really cool i really enjoyed it um yeah i thought it was like so so original and like artistic and everything um just from the way things like everything was laid out in terms of like the story and then like the the shots and everything it was so different i i've really never seen a film that way so um yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Oh, good. Yeah, Danny is an incredible filmmaker. He has the ability to weave all of these different stories together, and it's crazy. I it was so weird. Like I I knew I was in it. I knew like he he was gonna put my stupid face into the movie as the cop. Um, and really that came about. Cause, like, oh yeah, I saw that. I was yeah, totally was... laughing because I was like, oh, he played a cop in like Thunder Road. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agreed to come down and help executively produce and, like, do the whole party scene stuff. Right. Um, and, like, wrangle extras and do all the stuff that a producer uh, does. And then as soon as I landed, they were like, well, well look, we have this cop uniform, and <laughs> another person dropped out, so I'm wondering if you would do it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. I've known Danny for 16 years, and he's the only person that oh, I wow. can say no to. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, That's like, amazing. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, because I, I was like, oh, wow, that looks like Jim. I was like, yeah, that's definitely yeah, Jim. That's <laughs> so bad. The first question that he got at Sunday, it's like the world premiere of the movie. And it's like, he's like, thank you, everybody. And he's like kind of in tears being like, it's so wonderful to be here. And, uh, and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Alec Baldwin. And Alec, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it was all of this like wonderful, like a glorifying of the movie. And everybody stayed for the Q&A. And the oh first God. question he gets is, I noticed Jim Cummings is in the movie a couple of times. <laughs> deal with that and it was just like oh my god how humiliating oh my gosh my best buddies next question right oh my gosh the things you'll do for your buddies right yeah yeah how long so you guys have collaborated a lot together you and danny over the years or too long too long yeah for a long time i was um i was just kind of a padawan to him he's like he started out doing hand-drawn animation because we never had any money to make stuff. And so we were doing all these shorts, and one of his shorts won South by Southwest. It's called Vincent Biology. And uh, it's really great. And he and I went to school together, so I knew him through all four years at Emerson. Oh, and then wow. when he wanted to expand and make longer stuff, I was like, all right, let's start a company. I'll produce for you. And so I produced you know, four or five of his shorts and then associately produced his first uh, pseudo feature called Euphonia that was at South by oh, wow. 100 years ago, 20, 2013 maybe. Uh-huh. Um, 
2014 maybe. Uh, anyway, so so I was like kind of helping him, and then in just like looking over his shoulder at the way that he made movies and talked about movies, I learned so much about sound design and how to use the camera to help tell the story, and that kind of became this boot camp cult <laughs> that I was in. Oh wow! Of like being around Danny all the time, and he is so enthusiastic about cinema and, and what you can do with it that it rubbed off on me and I started writing and directing my own stuff. So like, yeah, Danny and I probably worked together where I was in a filmmaker for, you know, seven years. Oh, wow. Like and then, and then, That's uh, insane. And then Danny, Danny, yeah, this is his first real feature. And so I was able to kind of hop on as an EP very, very gratefully and, and help that movie out. Very cool. So um, he wrote it also, right, in, in addition to directing. He did. And, uh, and I forget what it was at first called. He sent me a draft of it. I think it was called Warthog. And it was kind of like a bastardization of the story that he tells about killing the boar. Um, and like how it's, I don't know. It, it was a very different kind of movie. It was more about like the, the parakeet versus the warthog. And it was very... Um, artistic. It's still very artistic. But, uh-huh. um, I don't know. He, and then he, he had made the, the short film of, of Krista, and that had done well at South by Southwest. And it was crazy because he had written the, the draft of the feature for Beast Beast uh, when we were down in 2018 in Austin, and then agreed to, he won the Vimeo Staff Pick Award, and it was the first one that they uh-huh. gave out at South by but the requirements for that were that the movie would have to come out the next day on Vimeo. Oh my gosh. And so he said, yes, let's do it. And then was like, well, wait, if the movie's coming out tomorrow on Vimeo, more people are going to see it tomorrow than ever will again. Right. Let's run a Kickstarter campaign to raise the finances to make the feature version of Krista. And I was like, yeah. And so oh, wow. basically leaving the venue, we won for Thunder Road, and then Danny won two awards for, for Krista, um, at South by that year and we basically all walked back to the house that we were staying at and shot this Kickstarter campaign video and launched it the next morning when uh, right before Crystal went live so oh my gosh wow that's crazy that's like such a whirlwind yeah. experience yeah, was like nine in the morning and then was like kind of collapsing on the carpet while we were uploading the Kickstarter video it was oh my gosh there's footage of it but if you watch it on, on Kickstarter, it's like Will and Danny and, and all of us kind of celebrating the South by wins. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's like a running clock of like, okay, it's three in the morning now. And it's like us building <laughs> out the campaign. Really interesting. So, oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that's totally that's nuts. That. That's really great. That's I love that story. And I actually um, recently read um, the case study um that Sundance wrote about your Thunder Road case study. And I was wondering yeah. about how you like self-finance, self-distributed and like your path towards doing everything, you know, just with you and your team um, rather than going, you know, the tradition, the way of the traditional model. And um, I guess my question for you is like um, for like, your other films, are you following that same model or have you followed that same model? Because I know that um, yeah. um, you have, like, you know, other films in the works and, um, like, the Wolf, the Wolf of Snow Hollow, I know um, that's one of your newer films. Like, are you following, did you follow a similar model? 
So, so yeah. So for The Wolf of Snow Hollow, that was different because it was a studio that financed that film. So we made Thunder Road, and it did well across the you know festival circuit around the world. Um, but that one we self-distributed just as Sundance laid out. That was we were very lucky. So like oh, nice. we had great role models at Sundance where you know Coganata had put out had self-distributed um, Columbus and made I think six hundred and fifty grand in the first year. It was a it was a three quarter of a million dollar movie. So he made back in the first year and a half, according to the case study, you know only a hundred grand less than what his movie cost. Yeah, and our movie cost way less than that. Our movie was like one hundred ninety grand, two hundred grand, something like that. Oh, wow. feature and so we were like all right well if coconut can do it like we can we can do that so we had great role models already in the creative distribution fellowship um and so we're like well let's just apply and so we applied and then they were interested in having us be one of the narrative uh films they had a coconut i think got a hundred grand uh, out outright because it was the only film in the in the in that graduating class um and we had three films ours was one of them, so we got thirty-three grand to self-distribute Thunder Road. Oh, nice! We learned a whole lot, and now we're basically distributors. And anybody oh, who wow. wants to be that 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 reads that case study properly can do it on their own as well. So, like that was kind of the goal to be able uh-huh. to show that the world has become democratized in film distribution, and the only right. thing that is keeping all of the towers as they are is making you feel inadequate that you don't know what you're doing or that right um, any of that and i think all of it is becoming democratized and technology is is there in such a way that we can self-distribute beast beast or any of our newer films and um and have it be just as fulfilling or get more people to see it than if you take a terrible deal like the reason we self-distributed thunder road is because there were no other options Mm -hmm. like the, the, the option, the best offer that we got was for $115,000 for 10 years from oh, distribution wow. company. Right. And we made, we made 400,000 euros from being in the French um, theaters alone for two weeks. So, like, there, oh, wow. there really is, and we had one South by Southwest, we'd gotten into Cannes at that point when those offers came in. Uh-huh. So, like, that, that film market has just kind of collapsed into predatory behavior. Right. So, Instead, the only way that you can you can do it these days is by putting it out yourself. If you still want to be able to make movies mm-hmm. two years from now, five years from now, and have enough money to do it, um, so yeah, I was lucky betting on ourselves there. And then the studio came along and said, "We're gonna, you know, give you ten times the budget to make the Wolf of Snow Hollow." And so that was a no-brainer that we were gonna do that. But then immediately after doing that, we raised money through uh, WeFunder, which is a crowd equity platform, uh-huh. um, and raised the money that we needed to make our new film, which got into Berlin All. Oh yesterday. yeah, that's right. So, so that congratulations one probably, on that. Thank you. We're incredibly that's so lucky. amazing. Incredibly lucky. Um, so yeah, but that one is about Hollywood and the, the infrastructures that are in place right now collapsing because of technological advances in cameras and distribution and the internet is the title of that one beta is that the one the beta test the beta test right i recently um saw um a few things online about that it is very funny and we're gonna get into a lot of trouble (laughs) oh really (laughs) okay i'm i'm totally interested in seeing it that's really cool um, yeah, thank you. yeah, but um, back to Beast Beast, um, 
do you know how the process what the process was for choosing the cast you you had a really talented young cast yeah so danny was adamant about making sure that shirley was the lead um and then he really wanted to work with jose and then will is his younger brother who he's been working with forever and he was like well all of my like managers and kind of the hollywood system is telling me that the movie has to be at least two million dollars to make it or whatever and he's like if i had done that it would have taken three years longer to like organize that and make it happen or i could shoot it for far less and make sure that these incredible actors get to stay in the movie we don't have to cast some you know youtube influencer or instagram star to be in the thing and so it was just it, it was kind of a product of danny you know knowing that he could make a movie with those people and when danny says you know, I'm good to go, let's start doing it, yeah, you just kind of fall in line. It's like, cool, let's, if this is all he needs to do it, then let's do it. Awesome, cool. Yeah. Also, um, that, that's also a product of, like, that the house where the shooting takes place, spoiler alert, um, that's Danny's actual house. That's his childhood oh, home. Oh, no way. So the same way that we made Cresha, where, like, Cresha was shot in Trey Edward Schultz's mom's place in Texas. Right. And, like, that immediately takes down the budget of the movie. Definitely. You get three locations, um, and you don't need permits to shoot inside. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a really good way to go, and also to like reduce the number of locations and things like that. Yep. Company moves, save time. Yeah, that's really wonderful, and. Um, how did you um, get hooked up with Tubi? Because um, Beast Beast is going to be premiering, and um, you you guys found a home there, right? We did. So Benjamin Wiesner is the producer of both Danny and I's movies. He's also another Emerson grad. He graduated a year over us and uh, has just been producing our work for the last several years and then has transitioned from being not just a producer, but has done sales, international sales at Cannes, like, for many different movies, and is also my manager. Oh, like, wow. He has no other, he has no other clients. He is <laughs> my manager, uh, which is really funny. It's great. He's just one of my best friends. And so I was like, That's right, really well, nice. You know, if I, instead of having a professional Hollywood manager, I'd rather have Ben do it. He would, right. You know, I'd rather give him 10%, and he said, I'll take nine. And I said, that is oh, the nice. worst management <laughs> advice I've ever heard. He's supposed to be more money. Right. Um, but no, so Ben Ben does all of this stuff. Ben was able to, you know, reach out and meet up with Tubi and was like, this is just the perfect pairing. Cool. And he's like, I, these are people who we want to have an incredible relationship with. They support great movies. We're on our way to making great movies. It is a no-brainer. Um, so yeah, it's kind of That's really timing, great. I guess. Like, we, we happen to have a movie come out at a time when they're looking for stuff and want to champion Sundance filmmakers and... We're like, cool. This is just happenstance kismet that uh, we get to work together. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really wonderful. It sounds like um, you've worked with so many of your friends in the industry in terms of like collaborating and on the business level. That's really great that, you know, you really were able to find a tribe of people that you could work with and, and trust and everything. Yeah. I mean, the more I talk to heroes of mine who've been in the film industry for longer than I have, there's no difference it's always that thing of like you just keep making stuff and you become friends with the people who are making cool stuff and then 
just by the nature of how time works, you graduate to become the next generation of Hollywood if you're still kicking. So, like, yeah, right. I, I feel very lucky that we get to make stuff. Like, Hannah Elder is in Wolf Snow Hollow. She plays Hannah. And I wrote her name into the script, being like, it'd be great to put Hannah in a movie. She's a, you know, fantastic actress. Uh-huh. She went to Emerson with us. And I was oh, like, wow. okay, cool. And now that we have a big Hollywood movie for Greenlit, I get to cast whoever I want. I was like, Hannah's going to be this girl. Uh, yeah, we're, we're very lucky. That's our favorite thing to do, to be able to send the ladder back down. That's really great. Oh, yeah, you have a, it sounds like you have a whole Emerson crew there. Yeah, it's, I mean, a lot of them are kind of from all over the place. Many of our crew, like Charlie Texter, who is our production designer for Beast Beast and for all of my movies, we met him because Tony, the creator of American Vandal, was looking for a production designer for all of Lil Dicky's music videos that I was producing, and we found him through Facebook. Somebody was like, oh, oh this wow. guy's great. He works in LA, and he's done all the production design for literally all of our movies. Um, oh, that's amazing. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a funny thing where, like, although it started with Emerson and, like, filmmakers coming out to L.A. from Boston, right. it's actually just kind of, like, you know, a collection of juggernauts of people who, yeah. you know, enjoy working together. That's really wonderful. And um, in terms of, um, you know, your film, The Beta Test, um, that's going to premiere at Berlinale, like, I noticed that you basically wore a lot of hats on that like you wrote directed and you also star in it is that right and edited it and you edited yeah i mean that's just kind of the nature of the thing i had to learn after effects in early march because we weren't oh, wow. be able to go to an effects house and the movie had to be made in secret so i was like well we can't we, you know we have to color it from home we have yeah. to you know, rent 5.1 surround sound speakers and build out the garage with furniture pads to make it soundproof and mix it from home. So right. like, that's just the nature of making movies nowadays. You can do it from, you can make a film studio from, from your, your laptop. Home. And, exactly. Um, yeah, that's what we've been doing. Yeah. Yeah, I know After Effects um, has a little learning curve. <laughs> it's been great. I mean, like, but then as soon as I learned it, as soon as I learned how to comp things and motion track and all the simple stuff, it's raised the ceiling of what is possible. So, like, although the movie was picture locked and we had a, a functioning cut of the movie that we we're sending out to film festivals, I was still going in and replacing some shots where you could, like, oh, wow. paint out lights in the background, you know, so take cool. out, you know, C-stands and stuff like that. It's, like, raising the ceiling of a movie that was made for not much money and makes it look like it's a multi-million dollar production. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, um, I saw that, um, you know, you're a part of Vanishing Angle and that, um, I was wondering what your role is and, um, in terms of that company exactly, um, what it does. Yeah. So, I am an executive of creative initiatives at Vanishing Angle, which is a totally made up <laughs> title. Uh, I don't know what Nice, I, very I, nice title. So I, mainly, I'm a rostered director at that production company, and we've, they've done all of my features. So oh, wow. When I, first, when I first moved to L.A., I had shot a feature as a producer um, with Matt Miller, one of the heads of the company, and... 
I that was in New York in 2014. And then I moved to LA, and he got me my first job doing a music video um, in town. And so I was just kind of working with him a lot, doing production services. I was like a coordinator or a producer on different projects, and then got a job at College Humor and was working there as a production company and being unhappy with the quality of stuff that we were making. And then I made the Thunder Road short, and then that became like our first. In, Matt let me use his production company's insurance, Vanish Angels Insurance, and so I, it kind of became this co-production. And then everything I did since, I was like, well, we already have the infrastructure. We like each other. Let's just you know start making movies together. And so we made nine single take short films, full screen and topic, um, you know, with Vanishing Angle. And then I just kind of became you know a, <laughs> a bystander. Uh huh. Like it came with a, was allowed a, a loiterer in the office. Oh. <laughs> since since I started there, the company's grown to be you know much larger, and you know it's a huge family now of incredible filmmakers. One of our movies, so Mary Walker's first feature. Um, just got in South by Southwest yesterday. It's, it's called See You Then. And that's another one that we ran a WeFunder campaign for to finance that, like, otherwise wouldn't Great. have happened had the public not come and said, yeah, we want to see this movie. That's really wonderful. Yeah, and, um, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, Thunder Road and, I mean, I, I just remember watching that I when I saw the short and I, you know, I just thought it was, like, the most hilarious thing ever. Um, you know, with the crying scene and all that kind of stuff. And um, I read something online recently um, about like how, or, you know, how, what, I guess, generated you to start crying. Do you have a story with that? Yeah. So I have this like going list in the notes app on my iPhone of things that when they're making me cry, I kind of clock them. Oh, that's right, them. yeah. Write them, write them down. Um, but for both of the, for actually for the short film we were shooting it, I had an iPad and headphones set aside with the scene from Inside Out of, uh, of Bing Bong, his big moment, no spoilers. Um, but that was always the one that makes me cry. And so like before doing a take, I would watch that scene and then get to an emotional place. And I was like, okay, let's, uh -huh. go, let's, go, let's go for it. Um, and then for the feature, uh, there's this one photograph of uh, Prince William and Prince Harry and Prince Charles at the funeral for Princess Diana. And Prince Charles looks like incredibly lost and he's watching the, the carriage go by, um, funeral procession. And then Harry is kind of looking off, but William is looking down at Harry and he has this look on his face. It's a very famous photograph. He has this look on his face of, I'm going to have to raise this kid. And Prince Charles is just so aloof and, like, not really <laughs> there for the children. Uh -huh. And it is such a beautiful photograph, and it tells that whole story. Oh, and wow. And that is the one where I was like, okay, let's have this on my phone at any given time, and this is going to make me cry every single time I look at it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess I always kind of wondered, you know, every actor has, you know, their own thoughts, many times private, but you know, that make them cry. And I guess I always wondered, like, what the technique is. <laughs> yeah, I'm really bad at it. So, like, <laughs> I have such a good collection of a team around me. Like, I feel like if I was a professional actor, I would be the worst actor ever <laughs> because you don't get to make those calls. So, like, 
for Thunder Road in the feature, I'm like getting out crying and screaming in a parking lot. Uh-huh. And like that was only because I was able to sit in Natalie's car <laughs> and like look at sad pictures oh, wow. on my phone and then get out and go and do it. Where it's right. like, you know, I, I feel like it was it was instantaneous too. Like start rolling as soon as I step out of the car, I take the jacket off and then we start going to this final monologue. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, that's how it worked for me. It's kind of like cheating, but it's worked. Yeah, I. But anyways, it was it was really entertaining. <laughs> so oh, you, you did a good job. Um, but yeah, another question that I had is, um, you know, you've done um such a good job with like getting your films into Sundance and South by Southwest and now Berlinale. Um, you know, is is there a certain um tactic that you use to get your film in is it marketing or um i was just wondering um or talking to programmers or what is um i guess for like filmmakers that are embarking on that journey um what kind of um tact advice or tactics that um you can give them or talk about yeah so i was very lucky I got to know programmers because of South by Southwest, or I guess Sundance. So like, I I watched a bunch of short films that were on Short of the Week, and uh, I got to see all of these movies that were considered culturally or socially significant by uh, from all around the world by people who watched everything. And then I got to learn about how they pick movies, um, and I realized that there's kind of no way to be nepotistic in that world because you get fired and then also like there's just no system that would allow it so like most people don't realize this but Sundance and South by Southwest and I'm sure other film festivals but this, these are the only ones that I know about um, they, they have a system of screening short films and features where it's anonymatized so programmers when they start watching a movie won't know if it's an animation if it's live oh. action, if it's a documentary, if it's fiction, and often scrub the credits. So they don't oh, know if it's a man or a woman that directed it, if it is a group of people that made the thing. It is a kind of perfect system to only accept the stuff that is actually good. Yeah, so, so not to be biased in any way. The best advice, they have to be. Um, the best advice that I can give to any filmmaker who's trying to get their movie into a film festival is to make the best fucking movie that they can make uh -huh. and don't focus on anything else. Um, and, and then also, I've had filmmakers reach out to me since 2016 to be like, hey, I made this thing, I submitted it, um, I'm wondering if you, if there's anything you could do to reach out to the pro... And it never, I never do it. Like, yeah. I have to tell people that I love that the point of the festivals are that they are discovery film festivals. Right. Like Sundance particularly, and Berlinale as well, that like if there is any kind of perceived scheming, or like if you send somebody an email and be like, hey, I submitted my movie and it's really good and like I'd love for you to see it, that is someone trying to tilt the scales. Right. Whereas a programmer getting something that they know nothing about, that they fall in love with, they get to go, who the fuck made this thing? And mm -hmm. then they get to champion that person. So twice I've told film short filmmakers, don't do anything. Don't DM the programmers. Don't reach out to programmers. Don't email them. Don't do, do, do anything. And both of those times, uh, they've gotten into big film festivals. Right, and just so let the really work... is something to... Yeah. Work, work speak for itself. That's number one. 
and then all, but also like watching short films from those festivals and like building a metronome around what great artwork is i guess be educating yourself on what good short form or long form artwork is right now is the best way at acting on it and like making something that is very impressive right is in line with the quality of content around the world that that is the best way to mm-hmm. get notoriety that's great advice and you know earlier in your career you, you know you made so many shorts and um of course, um, you know, Thunder Road with your short, um, it really launched your career. Do you think for um, new filmmakers that making a short as a concept piece um, is the best way to begin? And then maybe like making it into a feature later or going in a different direction. But do you, do you believe that that's the best way um, to begin filmmaking? I think it's the only way. At this point, like, I don't know the stories of, like, M. Night Shyamalan writing a script and then there's a bidding war for it. Like, that is, that is the, that's a lottery ticket. And that's just not how the world works anymore. It allows you, hearing those stories allows you to feel okay with being lazy and not proactive and making stuff. Um, because you're comfortable writing in screenplay format but not actually doing something. But that world is so dead. Like, Looking at Damien Chazelle, who made a short film of Whiplash, or right. Jared Hess, who made a short film of Napoleon Dynamite, or, you know, James Wan, who made a short film of Saw, like, there are, the only way, I think, right now, with the access to technology, and the kind of, you know, visionless uh, gatekeepers that are the Hollywood system, and the outside of Hollywood system, you need to prove that you can do the thing first before anybody gives you any money to right to exactly yeah that's really great um that's good advice and very insightful and um just curious you know um what have you been doing um you know during this quarantine and pandemic i mean um have you taken this time to really um develop um your recent projects or what have you been up to i've been so deep in post i'm the sole editor of this movie of beta test so like i have been oh, wow. wrapped in luckily in december of 2019 and so i i had three months to edit with my co-writer pj co-director pj and so we were together every day editing this movie um and then the lockdown started and we've just been, I've been editing at home. He's been getting tested every once in a while when we're having like a big week. So uh-huh. he'll quarantine, get tested, and then come over and spend a week with us. Um, and that's been, you know, kind of off and on for the last year. So, and, but it's taken that. Like the movie needs a lot of sound design. It needs to be perfect before it goes out the door. And when you're a team of one and you don't feel like doing sound design that day, it doesn't get done that day. And so right. you kind of have to, um, it takes that long um but then for other stuff we're like i mean i'm doing a bunch of research for different things that i'd like to do but i'm not shooting anything like i think it would be incredibly irresponsible to shoot something right now and i'm lucky that i've had my hands not be so idle and making this movie perfect before it goes out the door to the germans yeah that's so exciting oh my gosh that's amazing yeah i haven't actually um been to the Berlinale yet but that's one of the festivals I, I want to venture to um eventually 
it'll be my first time as well. Oh, I nice. I'm having an in-person screening in June. Oh, wow. Oh, it's going to be in person in June, you think? Yeah, they're doing a digital version of it in March um, in tandem with the European film market, because that's when right. EFM is. Um, but then they're doing it in person in, in June. 